Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Forging Life Podcast. I am the host, Trey Ryder, and the Forging Life Podcast is about hardships, parenting, entrepreneurship, and the struggles that we deal with every single day. We will have many interviews with special guests, and you can actually see some of these interviews on YouTube, and you can even join the discussion by heading over to Facebook and typing up Forging Life Podcast and join our page. You guys, thank you so much for coming in, and I hope you enjoy season number two of the Forging Life Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Forging Life Podcast with Trey Ryder. I am your host, and today we have special guests. So that's two guests, and their names are Corey and JoJo. I was fortunate enough to speak to their marriage group last night. Uh, They have their tribe that they call Marriage Ascenders, and it's actually about uh, stronger business and stronger marriages and how they actually came across that. And today is we're going to be talking about a little bit about marriage and their mission and what actually helped bring them into what they are doing today. So Corey and Jojo, thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, we, we really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. So I, I like I, um, Trey said, so we are Corey and Jojo Rankin. Um, we're the founders of Our Family Strong, and we have five kids. We've been foster parents for um, about a decade. over eight years. Yeah, and we actually started our mission um, a few years ago. Um, there was a tragedy in our area, and we received um, that night when I came home from work, I was working for a local hospital. And that night, um, I actually felt very strongly that my mission in life was to help families. And at the time, I thought, well, that's kind of weird because we had already been foster parents for five years and we had had 30 kids in our home. Like, um, and then, yeah, we've had a lot of kids, a lot of parenting experiences. Um, and, and I was actually in my undergrad to become a therapist, to become a marriage therapist. And then Corey was actually in grad school to become a physical therapist. And so our whole plan throughout all of our life was I was going to become a marriage therapist and he was going to become a physical therapist. And we would just open up our own practices and be good to go. Um, but after that impression, we, we kind of slowed down a little bit. And then a few years later, um, because that's the way it always works, right? Like you get a little inkling of something and then you have to wait a long time. Right. And so um, a few years later, actually 2000 Uh, well it's not even last year anymore two years ago two years ago um we were at a physical therapy 2019 we were at a physical therapy conference and um we again felt very strongly like the time is now to start your business and at the time we were like well that's kind of cool but i again was in my undergrad um was planning on going to grad school which i did start grad school i'm in grad school right now to become a therapist but um we noticed that you don't have to be done completely done with school to help families. And we had coached couples for our entire married life. Um, we look young, but we're not as young as we look. Again, we've been foster parents for 10 years, almost 10 years. And so like, you know, it was interesting because we didn't realize that. And so when we started our journey, we started helping just every couple, like we had always done, you know, if you have marriage struggles, we would always have people come to us for parenting advice and marriage advice, because that's what we had experienced, you know, and with all the turmoil of foster care, 
we really had to critique our home. We always on the critiquing of our home. And we were always having to figure out, okay, how can we communicate better? What kind of things can we do to strengthen our relationship? Because again, if you have a child that's coming into your home, that's been through trauma, that's been through unimaginable things, and then they come into our home and we're fighting, that's not going to cut it. We can't do that. And so we were constantly on this like journey to better our family um, with every child that we had. And I think it was our, I don't know what number he is, but he is one of our now sons. So we have four boys and one girl and they are um, two, four, four, five, and eight. And so um, one of our sons now was our hardest child we have ever had. And what I mean by hard was he came to us a younger age, but he cried constantly. Um, with most of the other children that had come into our home, like they had kind of been unfortunately bounced around. So they were able to like, oh, it's another mommy and daddy. How sad and horrible that sounds, but it was almost easier for them to adapt to a, a new home and a new environment um, in a sense of belonging type of thing. But um, when he came to us, he cried nonstop. And when I mean nonstop, I literally mean like, unless he was eating or sleeping, it was constant crying. And we had four kids at the time. So it wasn't just like us being affected. It was the entire family. But the thing is, is we were never going to give up on a child like ever. And so they call it 10 day here um, where we're at. They call it 10 daying on a child where, you know, you put in like saying, you know what, it's not you a put good a notice saying yeah. the child is not a fit for your home and you would like them to find the workers to find a new placement. Which, and that was not an option. Which just adds to the trauma for mm -hmm. these kids yeah. in our home. And so one thing that Jojo and I did, we committed to as foster parents, however long a child is in our home, we will love them as much as we can and just support them and give them the best opportunity to find joy, to find out who they are, whether they're in our home for years or because we've had someone in our home for a year and a half, almost two years, and they went home. We had other kids in our home for 18 hours. And then as the background checks and locating family and stuff took place, the the kids were able to go um, back to their father and things like that. And so we've had very, very short-term placements. We've had long-term placements and everything in between. And so with Jojo and I, this particular story that she was sharing, he was 16 months old when he came into our home and he didn't know how to receive love. His mom was a major drug addict and was using heavily. He was on and off the streets. And so um, when he did come to us, he didn't know how to receive love. He wanted, he's an introvert. So he, an introvert that doesn't art, know how to articulate his words and is depressed was the situation that he came into our home. He didn't know how to receive love. He didn't want hugs. And that's why he cried so much because he just, it was a new environment. He was used to being on the streets and not having any, any structure. And so we, we loved him and loved him and loved him and loved him, but that really put a lot of strain on our marriage, but it also put a lot of strain on our children. So our oldest now is eight years old and he really loves everything, siblings and babies and kids. And he's, he's a major reason why the, we have actually five kids. Cause he's just like, I have, a, I know we need more. I have a brother coming and all these things. He just really had this inkling that our family was incomplete. And so, so for you guys, yeah. I ask this, it, obviously you build an attachment 
to every single one that walks through his doors. Yeah. How does it affect you when, you know, you said a year and a half, how does that truly affect you guys when now the child is, is leaving your home? Yeah. So, and that's something that's huge because again, like it's not just us that's affected because we're adults and we can figure out like, okay, we can keep contact. We can do all kinds of things. So the little girl that was in our home for a year and a half, and we've had nine months to year and a half, but the longest placement was a year and a half. And the greatest attachment was with her for all of us, because one, our oldest son was older. Our second son was older. Our third son was, was the one that Corey was just mentioning. And he was in our home too. And so like everybody was affected but the thing that we had to well, do it, it was even chal- more challenging because from we had her since an infant and yeah. so from infant up until about four months when she went home everything was leading towards adoption the caseworker yeah. the the moms wasn't present all these things and then the dad came out of nowhere and really stepped things up and he's the one yeah. that really worked his plan and really was able to be successful and get his, um, get his, his daughter back. And that was really exciting for us, but it was really hard at the same time because this was an individual that had a lot of past that he had overcome and he overcame the drug use. And he, just to see him love his daughter so much was so amazing. Like that wasn't something that we had normally seen. Like when it came just the circumstances, he wasn't aware and he wasn't the one and he did have some drugs. So there was a little bit of delay there, but to see someone, so the way it works is at our facility, the biological parents, they have to check in at the front desk and the foster parents and the visitation site is off like towards the back and they two the, separate parking lots and they don't, they don't have access yeah. to it. So it's this, it's this one thing of like a university campus and a lot of foster care and state workers and stuff are on this facility and it's clear in the back with no access so he would come to the front they'd have to work their way through the campus and to see him run because they only had an hour visit so he would run as fast as he could to get into the visitation center get his visit started and then he would linger so long at the end of the visit and he would just be so dejected and really slow leaving the places because he he really valued that time with his Absolutely. daughter and the one thing that has made that not so hard is we still have contact with them yeah. today we actually they send us pictures and in, yeah. in in a humble way we are actually a huge reason that he was able to get clean because one of the early visits um i told him i was just like she really enjoys you like so when when a, when a child has a visit, there's a lot of either there's a lot of trauma, and so they want to cling to us, or there's tantrums and stuff afterwards. And I told him, I was like, she really seeks after you when this visit is over. And I I told him, I was like, I know there's drug use and there's a history of this, but I was like, you really need to get things together because this is an opportunity that won't last very long. That you can get your daughter back, and you can have an impact in her home and almost the next week yeah complete switch flipped and that's when we really started to see him start running and stuff so that's very challenging but the way that it allowed us to do that is the way that we started with foster care is that we just take the approach 
however long they're in our home, at least we made a difference. At least they had someone to love them. At least they had protection for that short time that they were in our home. And that really helped. But one thing that complicates things is here in our community, the number of children in care is far greater than the number of available foster homes. And so as soon as one child leaves the home, they're calling. Sorry, we, uh, we got disconnected there for a minute. You said uh, one of the things that makes it challenge. Oh, oh. Yeah. One thing that makes it challenging is that there are so many foster children and not enough foster homes. And so it makes it very, very challenging um, to be able to find foster homes and to be able to have the parenting experience well, for the birth parents. And it, as soon as one child leaves a home, the system is so overweight that they're like, they call you almost immediately to take another placement. And so if you're not careful, there's no time to, to grieve. But for us, we have been foster parents for now. This is our ninth year. We've learned to say no, um, but new foster parents, they don't have that experience. And so if we don't take the time to grieve, that is very challenging. And that's the same thing in life. As an entrepreneur, as a dad, as a father, we think that we have to be in charge. We think that everything has to be okay, but really it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to process the emotion. And the more that you can address a hardship, in our case, a child leaving our home, uh, a death of a family member, whatever the hardship is, everybody will have those experiences in life. And the quicker we can address it, the quicker, the quicker we can recognize, okay, this is problem, this is hurtful, this is trauma, this is something that can really have a negative impact on me. What are my resources? Who are my team that I need to pull in closer to me and get me through this? And Jojo and I, one thing that has really allowed us to be the coaches that we are through helping entrepreneurs who are married strengthen their marriage is because we've learned to grow together with these children in our in and out of our home through foster care we've learned to love at a level deeper than most and i said that in a humbly way because of these experience we now know how to love one another love our friends love our family in a way that brings us together and like for me we are coaches but like jojo said at the beginning we i graduated physical therapy school and even as early as july 2020 i was pursuing studying for my physical therapy exam. I graduated with my doctorate of physical therapy, but I, I felt God pulling me away from physical therapy before I passed my licensure exam. And so I walked away from heavy debt, three-year investment in grad school, plus the five years before that, I get my bachelor's degree and stuff. So essentially 13 years of my life, I'm only 34, was percent, wow. was part pursuing physical therapy, whether it was grad school and all these different things. And then the Lord pulled me away from it. And that was traumatic in and of itself too. But one thing that really set the foundation for um, Jojo and I's relationship and really taught us that we can uh, conquer anything, that nothing will divide us is through grad school. Because mm -hmm. my oldest son, we adopted him while I was in grad school. And it was really, really nasty. The case was awful. Yeah. Um, just the, the parents were violent gang members. And it was just, it was, awful. it was such a mess. And there was so much of negativity that 
potentially this child would have went home to and it was such a mess people were battling that have no role in the case at all and it was just awful 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 so in grad school i i nearly fell out of grad school but i didn't because jojo um, was my support but i every other week for a period of time in grad school i was in court really battling this ugly case and trying to keep him so he was about to go home and thank goodness Jojo's such a spiritual giant and really in tune to the impressions that god has for her and for our life because at that time too probably nine months before things really got ugly nine months before the case ended things were really getting ugly and she got another impression you must fight for this kid we had no idea what that meant and we soon realized that we had to fight and we had to fight hard for him because he nearly went home he got to the point where he was having unsupervised visits with his biological mother which is one step from returning home permanently and it was such it wasn't a safe environment the caseworker that was part just things were not people weren't doing their job and luckily we had a fantastic caseworker that really became aware of things and shut that uh, those visits down otherwise he would have gone home to a drug home and all these things that would have really been nasty and i'm so grateful that jojo had that impression because we very easily could have given up because as foster parents there's not a lot we can do when it comes to a child potentially going home because that's the first priority in foster care is to reunite these children with either if it's not their parents relatives grandparents some blood relative and the goal is not adoption. Adoption is the last option in foster care. And so with this circumstance really was, was hard for us, but thank goodness that Jojo really had that impression that we had to fight for him because now he's a published author at seven years old. He's yeah. Wow. really, yeah, he wrote his first book before we wrote our first book. That was, what, what'd you say? What is that book about? Yeah. So it's called, will you be my friend? And he sells it on Amazon and um, he wrote it at seven years old and he illustrated it as well. And he, um, it's called, Will You Be My Friend? And it's a feelings book. So it talks about like, it helps children identify like, have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt angry? Have you ever felt sad? And like that idea was strictly his, like he came up with, so it was a bedtime story that we were just goofing off one night. And he's like, I'm going to write a book before you guys do because we were writing a marriage book and we've had we've published five um journals and books but he um he really did publish it before we got our first book out there and it was just a children's like a just a bedtime story about a football kid at school that felt lonely he'd gone to a new school and and he's helping the children identify like have you ever felt this before and like he's one of the most and and um I say this not to brag, but he is one of the most resilient children I have ever, ever met because he was left at Walmart. His, his chances of success was zero, like literally zero. He had been through so much and he's the most, um, in tune child to knowing like one, his body, like I've never met a kid that, and, and like with the nursing background and stuff like that, like I've never met a kid that's so in tune to what is actually happening emotionally. And like, so with, with our family kind of back to, sorry, we went on a big rabbit hole, but like kind of going back to your first thing was 
we have to communicate and be in tune to our, our family, speaking at our children's level, whatever level they're at. And that was one thing we always had to be very, very open with him specifically because he has had a lot of trauma. We were in his second foster home, you know, and he had been bounced around a lot. And, um, and he knows like his full story. He understands foster care, unfortunately, more than most kids should because, um, but at an age appropriate level, obviously, but because he's seen so many, he's had 20 siblings, you know, like, and so, but with this one specific one that she had been in our home for a year and a half and, um, he knew the parents really well and he had seen their growth as well. And so any positive things, because it was a very positive, um, outcome because we have never we had never seen that before where it was so positive where they literally did try so hard and succeed at getting clean quickly staying out of jail like we still keep in contact with them and we still have contact and and she was the sixth child so the chances of her, that her being adopted was extremely high all of the other children had been adopted and so it literally was waving effort and he gave his effort and um, it's amazing to see their family now because although they are still like, you know, very poor and stuff because education, but he went out, he got a job. He started pursuing education. She got clean very, very quickly as well because they worked as a team, which was something we had never seen before either was that they worked for it as a team. And she became very knowledgeable of like what mile marks are for children, what things for, children should be doing. For you guys you have so much loaded into this <laughs> and I'm going to back it up just a little bit to what yeah. Corey said. Yeah. And you're not just working with the children that come through that home. It's a big process. And in the event that these parents want to be part of the children's lives, it's not like all of them just gave up their children because they, yeah, exactly. they didn't want to be part of the life. Yeah. There was challenges, adversity that was going on that the best thing for the children would be removing them from certain homes. Yeah. But what you and Corey were talking about is, you know, when you're doing the visitations, you guys are, are seeing these parents firsthand yeah. and you had a direct reflect or a, a direct action towards these individuals. You said that, you know, the father was showing up early and staying late because of what was going on, but he still had those challenges in front of him. And it took that small intervention of you guys and talking to him saying, look, here's the importance of what's in front of you. And if you truly want it, go get it. Well, and even the week before we had that conversation, he said, what's the point? And I said, there is a point, get to work and get your daughter back. And that, Nobody had ever been bold with them before. Everyone had always given them a pass and that wasn't going to work. And another thing that is challenging with foster care is the majority of the time we're hated. These biological yeah. parents, they hate us. They feel like it's our fault and they try to push the blame on us. And in reality, we're doing them a favor. We are caring for their child when they're unable to do so. And then they hate us for that. And so that's, that's a challenge there too. But one thing that I've learned with foster care is that there's never children can never have enough love and that's another thing that has really driven our desire to be marriage coaches because ultimately our goal is to make stronger families yeah. we want children to be raised in a two-parent home because the experience that we've had through foster care the five children that we've adopted 
None of them had a father present. The majority of the other kids in their home, their father or neither parent was, sometimes there was grandparents and another thing. So our ultimate goal in everything that we do is to serve and to build stronger families. And the way that we do that is from the top, strengthening the marriage. And so as we strengthen the marriage, the parent-child bond becomes stronger. The sibling bond becomes stronger. There's more peace in the home. There's a solid foundation for these children to have success. So that's everything about JoJo and I and why we coach and how we coach. And You know, what you're saying, and I completely agree. I think I said something on our interview last night about the parents. You have to work together as a parent. Um, work on yourself so you can be more present with your children and as soon as you're putting so to speak the children first uh, between you and your spouse you will create that divide have you seen that is that is that what you guys experience as well if oh, yeah. uh, one parent's not on board and the other's doing their own thing yeah and and that's something that we work with couples too on is because there's three separate in our world, there's three separate things that, that causes the rift typically in an entrepreneur's life. It's the business, which is its own breed, the home and in fact of like parenting and roles and boundaries and those type of things. And then the marriage, which is literal fighting between things that actually consider into the marriage. And so, um, diving into, okay, when a child, when a, when parents are not on the same page, that creates huge wedges in the home and in the marriage, you know, and it, it can be really hard for some couples to really see like that. It's, it can be simple tweaks to change the entire environment of your home. It really can be. And, and sometimes communication can factor in that, but it's not always this like solution to what needs to be created. Even if we talk about something a million times in a healthy manner, if it's not a communication issue, that issue is still going to be there. And so that's something that we dive into a lot with parenting is, is that the parenting aspect, a lot of the issues or core concerns aren't the marriage. And so we work through that to solve that problem and which fixes a lot of the issues inside of the marriage. Well, and when you, sense. when you talk about putting the kids first, um, there's, there's a way to do that and there's a way not to do that. And so, the way not to do it is really putting your, your kids first and, and your spouse becomes second. And when that happens, the kids either do it on purpose or sometimes it's unintentional, but they, they get it. They start to, to play each other yeah. one against the other. And so like the kids, if they know that dad is soft and will give them things, then they'll, they'll go to that. They'll go to mom. And when mom says no, they'll go to the dad and they can weasel and get whatever they want. Or, the other way, mom might be soft and then they go to dad and he's extremely hardcore and then the kids are afraid to approach him and those kind of things. But regardless of how it looks in that way, it can put the spouse against each other because if the kid always goes to one parent and then they go to the next parent and they're saying the opposite, now the spouse that originally said no or told the kids the things that they didn't want now it's like the spouse doesn't support them. And when that is the case, that begins a huge wedge in the home. And that leads to a lot of contention, a lot of arguments. And then the marriage starts to break down. And then 
everything else in the home starts to break down. And so the way, so that's the wrong way to put the kids first. The right way to put the kids first is together as a team, to be selfless, to serve. For instance, like if we have, um, I don't know, hamburgers for dinner tonight and we're having leftovers and there's only five hamburgers and there's six people that want to eat, as the father, I would make sure the kids ate first and I would put them first. And so that that's a silly example, but that is one way like and that's so true. And that's the same with leadership when I was in the military. You make sure that you know your soldiers and people that were um, underneath you that they ate first because they are the workhorse, so to speak. Um, and caring for them will then in turn help you as a leader, as a father, as a mother, um, to make sure that everything is cared for. And that's I just wanted to highlight that because it's very big. Um, and that's why, you know, to this day, my wife serves our children ever before dealing with our our plates or anything else so um thank you for explaining that so for one of the questions i had written down is how can someone start working on their marriage you know just like one or two tips what's yeah. things that you've seen in the past that um what's something that they can implement right away to start this new year out in a on a right foot forward well, there's a lot of tips that we can give, but there's there's a few core things that I love is first of all, and we talked about this a little bit last night was family councils and couples councils or huddles or group meeting or whatever the heck you wanna call it. Meeting once a week with your family, with the children, with your spouse, and you can do it multiple different aspects. So like if you have five kids and you know that your third grader is struggling, you can just have a parent child council where it's just the two of you guys talking about things that are going on, what things you can help with, but also as a couple, just meeting together at, at night or during the day when there's no distractions, when it's typically we schedule ours on Sundays where it's like, okay, the kids are taking a nap. We're going to just have a little chat. Like, how are we doing this week as a couple? What kind of things do we have coming up? What kind of things have been hard for us? And then the other thing that um, is huge, and we really stress this a lot because especially like it can be really hard for men and I will only speak for women, but us women, we need that emotional connection. And a lot of men, it's very difficult to have those type of conversations, like to, to talk, you know? Um, and this is one of the biggest things that we've seen with couples is that the wife is seeking this emotional connection through communication, through having deep lasting conversations. The men don't typically want to have those type of conversations because it's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's, you know, all these different things. And I'll let you speak to that in just a second. But we, um, we highly recommend to our couples is um, what we call the struggle bus. And I will let Corey kind of explain it because he's the man here. And it is different for us women, but we need that emotional connection. You know, and that is the biggest thing that we see break down. Well, let, let me pull back a little bit and then I'll go forward. But Jojo being a woman, being a fantastic mother, being someone of service, she immediately went to the emotional connection. And that's a great place to start. And I'll back it back even simpler than that. But let me share two things that are problematic in a relationship. One or the other spouse feeling that they're not connected, connected, that they're not valued, that they're not important, that they don't have a say, that they just aren't supported enough, like the, the connection's not there. And then another major, major thing is a lack or a decrease in intimacy, physical intimacy. That plays a huge role in a lot of 
relationships and show the the stronger especially for women the more connected emotionally the women feel the better their ability to want and desire to be physical to really meet those needs and so that that's one thing to consider if your intimacy is starting to to fade really see where's your emotional connection because as an entrepreneur a lot of times we go so hard in the business and the unintentionally the family becomes second place there we're not really not showing up in the home whether it's for our spouse or for our children and that that is problematic so if you feel like there's even a slightest wedge or things aren't the way they used to be then let me make it as simple as possible for the two <laughs> the two starting spots before i get to the struggle bus are be still we are so fast that we miss the needs of our family especially our children and life is just so chaotic. We've said yes to so many things and we rarely say no. So our plate is full. We start early and end late and we miss meals and all these things. We're just going so fast as a nation. But if we can slow down, if we can be still, we can start to recognize the needs of our family. And that can be done by just having conversations with the kid or your spouse or more formal way of the family council, but just be still. So you can learn and understand and hear the needs of your children. So that's the first place I'll start. And then the, the second place that's really simple place to start is identify when, what portion of your, your marriage was the best it ever, ever was. Find that magical time, whether it was the honeymoon, whether it was the wedding day. Find the day, find the time, find the period where your marriage, your relationship was the best. You've had the most joy. It was most fulfilling. And our, our kids want, I guess they, they want to be still because they, they heard me talking about being fulfilling and here they are at, at the door. Um, but to, to be still, to really meet the needs of our family and figure out where was it when the life was the best in your relationship and then start to break that down. Okay. Let's say our first six months was, um, dating through the first six months the honeymoon phase was the best part of our, our relationship and i'm just making up a scenario but let's just say we start we started as an entrepreneur six months into our marriage and then the real intentional connection started to fade and we just kind of drifted away from our magical place that was the beginning of our marriage and so what happens in that scenario usually is the dates have been non-existent when you first started dating and it was your lovely bride, she was so gorgeous and glowing and everything was so amazing, which is, should still be the case regardless of how long you've been married, but you stop serving, you stop, yes. the, the selflessness starts to fade and unintentionally now everything becomes about me. Um, the communication starts to slip because we're too busy. Now we're not going to bed together. Now, one's getting up early and there's very little time in the day that we have together. We're not sharing meals together. All these things that we may have been doing that was making our relationship strong, that was making us very intentional. Now we can identify, oh, if I haven't had a date for a long time, let me start there. Let me start with dinner and a movie at home. Sorry, I lost you for just free. a second there. Oh, I, I was just saying that once we kind of identify where our not perfect, but our fairy tale marriage was really 
loveful, lovely and fulfilling, identify what one of those things were. And if it, if you used to go on dates a lot and now you're not start with a, a dinner and a movie at home, it's free, cook up a nice meal, put the kids to bed and really be intentional there. Or if you really started to serve um, your spouse a lot of start to serve them again, do more of the dishes, do more of the laundry, put their clothes away, whatever, whatever task you can do to lighten their burden. And eventually as you start to bring back the things that you were doing when life was magical, these other problems start to fade again, because usually we're very intentional, especially before marriage. we got to impress our wife as a man. We got to, we got to look good. We got to go on dates. We got to be, like we got to be something great and we can be something great, but somewhere along the line that often fades. And now not only are we not great, we're not showing up. We're not communicating. We're doing very little that we were doing when things were great. And that's unintentional, but it, it happens because we get casual in our busy lives. And that's, so that's the two simplest places to start. And what you're saying, it's such gold, Corey, um, it, on so many different levels. And it's true you know, that honeymoon phase. And it's the same thing when I was uh, doing investigations and uh, responding to domestics. And one of the issues in domestic uh, relations when it becomes physical, it's a cycle, right? So uh, you have that honeymoon phase where they, they try to impress one another, or maybe the abuser is saying how great life is gonna be. And they, they go through that little honeymoon phase again and then it, it's a quick cycle around where now they start going back into the old habits. They start thinking about themselves. They want a certain spouse to act a certain way and it becomes physical again. And it just, it's that never ending uh, loop. And for what you're talking about, it's truly important because after, as we're coming up on 16 years of marriage and I, I told you last night, I didn't always show up. I wasn't always present in my marriage as I was in the honeymoon phase. And now my wife and I, I like to, to talk about peacocking, you know, spread your feathers and, you know, be that peacock um, and strut your stuff. And it's important to show up in the relationship uh, for you as a, a husband or a wife and you know, peacock every once in a while, be impressive and do those things that you spoke about, the things that you haven't done um, maybe in so long. And Tony Robbins, he talks about whore trading. Uh, Love is whore trading, or it should not be, right? And I say that because it's, it's ultimately, if you look into how he speaks about whore trading, it's I give you money and you show me something, or I'll do this, in return, if you do this, and that's where, you know, the, the whore trading or love trading is. And you guys spoke last night about love is 100, 100, not 50, 50. And I've, I've said that as well. Um, so everything you just said in a very small package is very big as we're coming to a close on this, this uh, episode here. And so you guys, you talked about the, the struggle bus. Um, yeah, let, let, let me share that real quick. And yes. so well, if you think about a struggle bus, I'm sure many, many of you have said, oh, I ride the struggle bus. I'm just struggling. Like 
just a challenge. We, we have all these challenges, all these struggles, and then we just get too tough to uh, feel like we have to manage it and we have to take care of the struggle bus. And so for us, the struggle bus is actually a really good thing. And the, Sorry, you, Corey, you said uh, it, it cut off once again, as soon as uh, you said uh, about a struggle, it's just a struggle. It's just a, a small yeah, thing. Ma many of us have a struggle one way or another. And we just, sometimes we say we're in a period of we ride the struggle bus and that's usually a negative thing, but for Jojo and I, it's a really good thing. And what I'm talking about is you get on the struggle bus with sharing your struggles. How many of you on purpose go home and your spouse asks you, how was the day? Usually your answer is it was fine. It sucked. It was long. It was boring. I'm tired, whatever. And it's one, two word sentence. And usually not even the sentence at all, just something very short, but what I want to challenge you is to share those struggles. And so when we talk about the struggle bus, we really challenge everyone to be intentional and share those struggles with their spouse. And the way it works, we call it the struggle bus is um, you share every night, share three struggles of the day with your spouse, something that was challenging, something that was hard, something that was uncomfortable, something that you failed at, something you, you weren't able to, uh, successfully accomplished, whatever it is, any, any challenge, anything that was struggling in the day, share that with your spouse and then listen carefully to what they say. This becomes especially important when man or woman doesn't matter is out of the home and their partner is in the home all day, raising the children and taking care of the home. We often don't know how complicated that was if the children are sick and pooped everywhere and broke the dishes and all these things. We don't usually know about those details and we rarely take the time to get those details. But if you do the struggle bus, especially as an entrepreneur that is outside the home, you're going to have challenges. You share that with your spouse and then you listen carefully to what your spouse has to say and they too will share their, their struggles. And now instead of a one 10 second conversation. Now you have two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and now you have an emotional connection. Now you have the ability to support one another. Now you have an idea of what might carry over to be in a struggle tomorrow. And now you've set yourself up to identify what has been challenging for your spouse. And what is one thing that you can do that is hard for your spouse to relieve their burden. And so once you share your struggles, then the next thing we'll do is the following morning, listen and pay attention to what those struggles were. And then think to yourself, identify what is one thing I can do for my spouse today that will lighten their burden. And so that's kind of a little bit about the struggle bus. So you get on the struggle bus by sharing your struggles of the day with your spouse. You get off the struggle bus by serving and expressing gratitude and after you talk about the struggles, talk about three things that you're grateful for that for that day. And hopefully at least one of the three has a direct correlation to your spouse or your children or something that brings memories in the home. Because gratitude has such a powerful effect. When life is hard and we dwell on things that are negative, it can be tough to get out of that. But we won't linger in our sorrows very long when we're expressing gratitude, when we're selflessly serving, when we're thinking about other people. And so that's why we say riding the struggle bus is a good thing because you share 
your struggles, which allows for a solution, which allows for your spouse to support you in a way that they wouldn't otherwise know how to do because they wouldn't know this information. And then you get out of those struggles with gratitude. I don't know anyone that can be grateful and that is thinking of others that will think about themselves for very long. So that's kind of about the struggle bus. So we said, get on the struggle bus with your struggles and get off with gratitude. That's huge, Corey. I appreciate you sharing that. And it's true when, if you take the time and a lot of us don't do this, just take the time to understand what the spouse is actually struggling with. Because when we don't, maybe, you know, they, they say to sleep on it or whatever else, but the problem is, um, if it's an issue and you need to walk away in the moment, by all means do so, but don't just leave it lingering. And if something is important to you and you're struggling with it, it needs to be said. Um, they say, I think it's up to 90% of our thoughts are our negative thoughts is from the days prior. And we continue carrying that forward. So we start negatively stacking things. So by what you're talking about is, you know, you have that negative stack and it's about addressing it right away before we continue breaking it and bringing it forward each day. And as we sit here on the New Year's Day, it's about creating the new you. And the only way to do that is by addressing what has been holding us back. Um, I would like to actually bring up something because here I, you said, I think it's in February. Can you explain what's going on? Because for those that are currently struggling in their marriage or their home, and they really want to put emphasis on their relationship, tell us what's going on um, that they have an opportunity for. So Georgia and I are actually putting together a two-day virtual event that will be the 19th and 20th, that Friday and Saturday, the third week of February. And it's, it's a virtual event for couples. There's going to be a, a small buried entry fee, $47.00 fee, but it, it's a two-day event, total about five to six hours. And what we'll do Friday night, two, two and a half, three hours, um, we will we'll teach a principle. And then as the couples that are participating virtually, we'll give them a period of time to do an activity, an activity that really allows them to implement the principle that is taught into their home and into their marriage. And after we do this activity, it's going to be fun it's going to be interactive and it's going to be something that really can be memorable if you really put your focus and attention into it with your spouse and then after we do this activity we'll come back together as a group everyone that's participating and have a little bit of a mastermind slash roundtable type thing just talk about what are our wins what did we come up with that oh there you go you're back with me you said uh you would uh, do the activity and then you would break out and come back and I lost you. Okay. Yeah. So after we do the activity, we'll, we'll come back together as an, a huge group or who's ever participating in the event and have like a round table, like a mastermind. People can share their wins. They can, can share the things that they didn't quite realize maybe a struggle or they things that they learned about themselves. And then, There'll be an opportunity if you desire, non-threatening, just be like, these are some of the things that either we're doing well in our marriage that might be helpful to other, or these are some things that are challenging for us that we're working through. And as a group collectively, they'll have an opportunity to provide input. And so it will be 
something that pulls you together as a spouse, but it will also be something that pulls you together with other entrepreneurs. So that will be Friday. And then Saturday, it will be um, the same layout, a different principle, a different activity, a different opportunity um, to share your wins, to share your assignment. And so the goal is after the two days, after the six hours of really being intentional for your marriage, you're going to have a small game plan for things that you can implement very quickly to increase the joy in your home, to increase the, the peace, to decrease the fights, to increase the communication, to better have family balance that is not overtaken by the business. And so one thing that Jojo and I really help individuals with entrepreneurs, everybody as an entrepreneur wants to, they want time and they want to increase their profits. So one thing that Jojo and I do is we help entrepreneurs increase their profits, but we do it in a way that nobody else does. We help entrepreneurs increase their profits by increasing the quality of their marriage, by increasing the quality of their relationships at home. Because when you become better at home, you become the best version of yourself. And when you can show up in the home, you can show up for your business, for the clients in a way that you've never been able to do before. And because what happens is when we're stressed, when there's conflict, when there's things that are out of alignment in the home, our mental clarity is foggy. Our productivity is foggy. Our imagination, our ability to really create is minimized. Our time management is poor. All these things that are taking us away from highly delivering in the business are because things are out of alignment at home. And so if, if your profits are not where they want them to be, really turn your focus to the home, see where things are, see what improvements can be there. And that's what you'll get from this event. You'll get hope that you can have a thriving business and a thriving marriage by focusing on your home. And, and it's huge. You know, my wife and I, over the past 15 years so far, um, we've gone to two marriage retreats where it's a whole weekend of just focusing on ourselves uh, by there's a, an individual and author, uh, Gary Chapman, it's yes. five love languages. Um, you know, we had a whole event just around that and understanding each other. So I fully support your mission and $47. That is nothing guys. When, when your life or you're struggling, or even if you're not struggling you want that next level of happiness and understanding of partnership, $47 is not anything. And it's you owe it to yourself and to your partner to be there. So um, I did want to bring up one other thing and it's about your, your group, your social media group. Yeah. Um, where can people find that or find you guys? What are some ways that people can get in contact with you? Uh, maybe they want to actually get some uh, couples coaching or sign up for the uh, virtual event. Uh, what are some of these ways that they can join you guys? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. First of all, if you know for sure you want to just book a call, um, we'll offer your listeners a free call to see, do a marriage deep dive and see where you're at, um, what kind of things you need assistance with. Um, so we'll offer that free call to your listeners. Um, and you can do that through R, the letter R, familystrong.best. And that, that will take you a direct link to our calendar that you can schedule that call yeah and then our facebook group is strong business stronger marriage 
And so you can join that um, Facebook group. Um, it's a community where entrepreneurs not only share like what they do well and, and as a community member to for their business to help other businesses, but also to find that strength for their relationship to make it through business and make it through life because it is hard. But there's another thing that I want to also, so those are the two best ways to contact us. You can also, you know, of course, message Trey. He has access to us too. But there's also something else. Um, I was just thinking about this. When one of our one of our journals that we published is actually a parenting journal. Um, and it's called You Matter. Is it to You Matter? Just kidding. It's called You Matter to Me. I'm sorry. I'm, we don't usually sell it. I mean, it's on Amazon. We sell it, but it's not something that we push forward. But to any of your listeners, um, they can have that journal. If they reach out to us, we'll send it to them um, for free because it is a parenting journal where you can write to your child in an easy manner. And the reason why we created that was because with foster care, there's been so many kids that that's the number one thing, especially teenagers. Like there is such a low self-esteem and for, it doesn't matter how much trauma a child has been through, every child needs to know that they matter. And so um, it's just a, it's a quick journal that you write two seconds to your child and then they write back to you. Um, and so it's um, every month has a different topic and you write something like one of the months is I'm proud of you because, and then you matter to me because, and then some of your talents are our favorite memories. Like those are the different types of topics that it has. And it's a year long journal. And um, you literally like write one or two things on why you're proud of them. And then they write back to you and you can do it one of two ways. If you know that your child has, is struggling with self-esteem, you can have them write back to themselves why they matter, why they're proud of themselves, what talents they have, or they can write to you and say, I'm proud of you, daddy, because this, this, and this, your talents, daddy, are this, this, and this. And it's just a way to bridge that communication where they don't have to speak words because it's really hard for children and sometimes parents to speak words to each other that actually mean something. Even though we all want to feel warm and fuzzy, it's really hard sometimes to communicate that. So it's a non-threatening way to be able to communicate with your child. And at the end of every month, um, you can write a letter to your child. And, and then there's also a little box every single uh, week that you can write words of encouragement. So like if our son has um, a spelling test coming up, I can write, hey, I know you're gonna rock it on your spelling test. It just gives them that extra boost of confidence and that ability to one, know that they matter and two, that they always have someone in their corner, even if they don't have to really use words to communicate what they're feeling. Yeah. And, and just and that's to, huge. Yeah. Sorry, Corey. Um, um, it's huge what you guys are sitting there talking about because uh, I just had Blake Brewer on, on the previous episode who talked about the legacy letter uh, about writing to your kids. And he actually helps people go step-by-step step to make this legacy letter. Um, and this just kind of goes right into the flow with what he was talking about as well. So go ahead, Corey, sorry to cut you off there, buddy. Oh, I was just gonna say, so a recap about us, Jojo and I, we want strong families. Everything we do is about service and making family stronger. So if you want a call, that's ourfamilystrong.best. If you want to find a community where there's entrepreneurs, who are married that are working on developing a thriving marriage and a thriving business, join us at Our Family Strong. And it's the letter R. Sorry, sorry. Strong business, stronger marriage for the Facebook group. And then the last thing is we are relaunching our podcast on January 13th, which is also titled Strong Business, Stronger Marriage. Yes. And so with, with that, 
like subscribe and download that because what you'll get with that podcast is just something similar to this a lot of interviews with successful entrepreneurs who had a struggle and they work their way through those struggles and share with you those successes but they also share what their challenges in the marriage and also the struggles that the business put on their marriage because ultimately when it's all said and done you matter your family matters and the stronger more fulfilling your relationships are at home the more impact you can have in the world huge as we go and wrap up you guys don't worry about writing that down everything is going to be in the show notes for you to actually just be able to go and click um, and get direct access to them and everything that they're actually offering that we spoke about in the episode. And as we wrap things up, I'll just give that quick recap. We talked about the struggle bus and how um, you, you need to abort, you know, get on the struggle bus and actually address it and get off the bus. So that way you're not bringing it forward. Uh, we learned a little bit definitely about um, the foster parents and struggles that you've had as a parent. Um, and seeing those kids and how you've been able to help. And we talked about the marriage uh, just in aspects of making it stronger um, in ways that we can actually do that uh, through family huddles and meetings or whatever you might want to call those. But it's important to address it and actually have those. So you guys, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Uh, being uh, technically we're recording on New Year's Day. And uh, I really do appreciate both of you, uh, Corey and Jojo, for coming on here. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right, you guys, as always, make the rest of your day the best of your day, and we will see you on the next episode. Awesome. Thank you, Trey. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time and listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying the Forging Life podcast, I ask you this, take a moment and head over and rate this podcast. If you're listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you enjoy the most, please just take a moment so that way it will help get this episode or episodes into the ears of somebody else. And if you would like to join the discussion, make sure you head over to the Facebook page, Forging Life podcast and join us there.